your Locked On The Hockey Jets, your daily podcast on the Winnipeg Jets. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Good evening and welcome to the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLivingLoco and follow our podcast Twitter at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. As always, if you like what you're hearing, be sure to like, follow, and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform of choice, including Apple, Spotify, Google, and the Megaphone app. Subscribing is free and keeps you up to date on the latest and greatest in Winnipeg Jets news and analysis. On today's episode, there are a couple of things we will be covering. We're, of course, going to be continuing our Greatest Playmaker series, which we have been doing over the past couple of episodes, and and thinking about some of the top guys who are setup players, maybe also good scorers in their own right. But before we get to that particular part of the episode, I did want to cover some recent NHL updates, some of which are fairly minor. I think the biggest one, of course, will concern the uh, continuation of the NHL season coming up next year and whether or not we're even going to have one. But we will first start off with a little bit of Winnipeg Jets-related news. Mason Appleton has officially switched his roster number from 82 to number 22, which I I guess is the thing. It's not really um, a particularly important update, but it is cool to see that Appleton is going to be a, a fairly regular player for this team going forward. I think a lot of people have had to temper expectations around him. He's one of those very workmanlike depth players who I think actually contributes a fair amount of value for what you're asking of him. He plays a nice two-way transitional role with some really good defensive upside. Occasionally, he throws in a nice little fancy goal, but a lot of what you're looking for is a guy who can be a versatile penalty killer, occasionally effective as an attacking winger, and somebody who just isn't going to detract value from your bottom six. I think that that's one of the biggest things that I look for when it comes to depth lines is can they at least be at replacement level or above replacement level? I don't need people who are like superstar depth players. It'd be nice if you could have them, especially on good contracts, but I know that that is typically asking for a lot when it comes to being a hockey fan. So what I tend to settle for is a player who is at least decent in his or her own end and, you know, occasionally able to contribute offensively. I think that's why a guy like Nick Shore was a perfect fourth line center. Appleton may not be somebody who puts up more than like 15 to 20 points a season, but I think that's very okay. I think as long as he continues to be a good defensive anchor for that fourth line and somebody that Paul Maurice can trust to be a hardworking, industrious player that tracks back and marks his defensive assignments cleanly, I think that that's what you're looking for. You don't need a a world beater, but Appleton has come to be very reliable for this team, and hopefully he continues to be so, especially if the team needs to move on from Andrew Kopp and he needs to step into that role eventually. That's about it for the Jets, though. This next piece of news does concern Winnipeg, certainly because we're thinking about another season, especially one that's going to happen under COVID scenarios, where we're looking at a shortened season. The NHL has floated around the idea of a season around 52 to 56 games. I'm sure it's going to have to be in some sort of a bubble. They've already been rumored to be discussing the divisional reorganizations, which would mostly impact Canadian teams first. Some folks have already messed around with playoff modeling given the current rosters and last year's uh, or even the past couple of seasons worth of performances from some of these teams and of course Winnipeg in terms of like a Canadian division um, was predicted to potentially make like a a mid-tier or lower tier playoff spot 
not one where you're expecting them to be a front runner in a Canadian division. I think you and I can all kind of expect that, especially if uh, Winnipeg continues not to really make too many moves. I, I think that this roster, for the most part, is going to be functional, but I think it's one injury away from being in real trouble, especially on the back end. I think the forward unit is probably fine as is. I just think that the uh, the defensive unit is probably going to put Hellebuck under another season where if Hellebuck performs like he did last year, he's going to win the Vezina for a second time in a row. I think that this is going to be very hard for him, um, and obviously this team is just not quite where it needs to be. But in a 52-56 to game season, Anything could happen, and I think the Jets might favor that because they'd be looking for a really short-term kind of deal, kind of get guys a little bit more rest and maybe not burn them out a little bit too much before the postseason. A lighter workload for Hellebuck might not be too bad either. You know, he doesn't have to play 70, 75 games. He can take a little bit more time off and, and only have to play, you know, 40, 50 games. I think that that would be a very good situation. Keeps him fresh for the postseason. Winnipeg is happy. A shortened season might be not the worst outcome for uh, Winnipeg's prospects as well, especially if they want to bring in somebody like Cole Perfetti to maybe play in that bottom six. I think if you give him a nice taste of the NHL, obviously he, he needs to be playing at least a couple of games. I kind of want to see where he is developmentally speaking. I think a lot of people were overly critical of him when he was at uh, Team Canada's training camp recently, and people were like, well, you know, he's been a little bit invisible, and we haven't seen enough from him. It's like, well, he hasn't really played any hockey over the past few months, and he's kind of in the position where he's been focusing on a lot of strength and skating training, which did actually show apparently in his skating stride. People thought that he looked overall just quicker off the blocks and everything, but obviously it's very hard to get up to speed uh, in terms of your your mental state and where you need to be to get back into like get a game ready shape and I think that that's something that would be very important for him coming into training camp in preseason if there even is a preseason and I think for for the Jets I think they really want to see where exactly Perfetti would fit into this team eventually he's most likely to be one of our top two centers maybe the top center overall but you know first couple of seasons we probably will need to pump the brakes and, and expect that Maurice is probably not going to throw him to the wolves I'd imagine that he gets very limited ice time and it'll take him a little bit to earn that trust from the coaching staff and we'll see where he kind of goes from there the only thing that that you know maybe gives me a little bit of pause about is the fact that if they're going to burn a year on his ELC a shortened season could be an issue in terms of how much value you get out of that first year I know that the Jets are trying to be very cost conscious and they don't really want to burn a contract year in a season where they're just not going to get as much value out of it as if they were to wait one more season until I guess the following season which is likely to return back to an 82 game schedule and they could potentially have him around for the full season. I think for me personally I would still risk it anyways and give him that first season unless of course he's just not ready for it in like an eight game sample and it turns out that he needs a little bit more development time but other than that I think you know he should be sticking around the big club permanently unless there's a reason that you really need to send him down or send him to another league. Perfetti has certainly proven all he can at the uh, the junior level and I think at this point he's really ready to take the next step and graduate to at the bare minimum the AHL if not the NHL. Speaking of a talented playmaker as good as Cole Perfetti in just a moment we will be discussing some of the top playmakers in ice hockey and football. 
course, if you're wondering what kind of football I'm talking about, I, of course, am referring to European football, aka soccer here over in North America for some of you. Before then, though, I wanted to tell you a little bit about the wonderful folks at Built and their brand new product, Built Go. If you're a longtime listener of this podcast, by now you know that I personally very much like Build Bars, which are protein bars with a dark chocolate exterior and a soft, chewy interior. They're more like candy bars and have great texture and flavors available. As good as they taste, they're even better for you. But as good as Built Bars are, Built knows that they want to continue to innovate and push the boundaries, and they're back and better than ever with Built Go, the healthy, all-natural alternative to sugary energy drinks you've been looking for. Built Go comes in convenient one and a half ounce packages that you can put in your backpack, briefcase, or whatever you're using to live your crazy lifestyle. Every day we face an insurmountable number of walls holding us back from being productive, and that's why I turn to Built Go to kick those walls down. It comes in three delicious flavors including peanut butter honey, chocolate coconut, and chocolate mint. It's loaded with protein, beta-alanine, B3, honey, caffeine, B6, and B12, so you have wall-breaking energy to keep on going all day. To get started, visit BiltGo.com and use promo code LOCKED, and you'll get 20% off your next order. Again, use promo code LOCKED for 20% off at BiltGo.com. Let's go. Welcome back to the Locked on Winnipeg Jets podcast. On tonight's episode, we have talked about a little bit of NHL news and updates, including a continuation of next season, or I guess a start to the season, really, which we're targeting, I guess, an early January start with, you know, 50 to 55 or 56 games. We are now turning our attention to the Greatest Playmaker series that we've been covering over the past couple of episodes. But before then, I wanted to give you a heads up that we will have another episode this weekend, continuing our Playmaker series and providing any additional updates on the NHL's return to play plan for next season because that seems to be the only thing that's really new in terms of the NHL, but if anything crazy happens, you'll be sure to know first. Turning our attention to our Creative Playmaker series, on this episode we will be taking a look at some of the most creative players on the Philadelphia Flyers roster, and there's quite a few of them. I think one of the most industrious, hard-working ones tends to be Sean Couturier. Couturier is one of those guys who, for many seasons, was the subject of much debate among the Philadelphia fan base. Well, probably more with external parties than actual Flyers fans, but I think a lot of people were wondering, you know, is he ever going to realize his potential? When he was drafted, he was taken around where Mark Shifley was taken, and there was a big debate as to whether, you know, Winnipeg made the right choice in drafting Shifley, and who would be the better center of the two, and obviously we all know now that Couturier has ended up carving out the more successful career. Couturier is one of those guys who, for a long time, was a really positive shot influencer. He could create really great passing lanes. He understood where he needed to be in in defensive positioning. He has exceptional vision, pretty good skating, and really smart high IQ play reading ability, which allows him to get into positions and open up offensive opportunities that a lot of other players really wouldn't be able to envision and actually execute upon. And it makes him one of the most well-rounded, most developed, and most difficult centers to contend with. He's a guy who can really cut you up with a couple of really clean passes, and he's also got a pretty darn fine release when he wants to use it. Couturier is a very complete, well-rounded center, but really one of those guys who I think I would put in the tier of elite in the same discussion as like a Ryan O'Reilly. You know, offensively dominant, defensively really resolute and strong, and somebody who just doesn't really want to quit on a play. While I do love Shifley's offensive abilities, and I do miss the, uh, the form of him from a couple of seasons where he was one of the top five centers in the league, It's clear that Couturier has probably been better for longer and has continued to carve out a more consistent role with his team. You know, Couturier is a phenomenal player, he's an excellent playmaker, and he's just such a versatile center that allows him to do anything you ask of him. It's rare to find somebody with as much quality in so many different facets of the game as Couturier has. He, of course, isn't the only gifted playmaker. There are quite a few other great players, and I think one of them that doesn't get talked enough about is Travis Konechny. 
Konechny, I think for a long time, has had some folks wondering, again, if he was ever going to hit a ceiling. In some ways, he's like a more well-rounded version of Kyle Connor. He's got really great edge work, very fast acceleration, great hands, good vision, and he, he can score really nice goals himself, but he's also capable of setting up his line mates. He likes to be a really, you know, offensively gifted buzzsaw around the net, which I think makes him such a pest to deal with. While he may not have a really high IQ in the terms of a, a player like, you know, Sean Couturier, I think he has a really smart offensive read of the game, and it allows him to get into so many dangerous areas where he can elevate the threat of any line he's placed on. I think what happened to him in this past postseason was more a reflection of the coaching staff and the approach that Vigneault wanted to take rather than Konechny really just struggling on his own. Travis needs that fast-paced, high-octane offensive style that really the, the modern league is kind of pushing towards. I know Vigneault wants to slow things down in the postseason and be conservative, but when you have a team like the Flyers who have as many gifts attackers and scores as that team does I really think you just need to let him cut loose and I think that that's something that would help connect me especially because he doesn't really have um, particularly strong defensive impacts on the game he's not a big backtracker he doesn't really have uh, really resolute defensive positioning and like a high work rate in terms of, of cutting off passing and shooting lanes he's somebody who's more gifted heading up towards the opposing net and I think that that's where you want him to be. On a related note of players you want up ice for the Flyers, another guy who has continued to be very good despite, you know, showing his age a little bit and, and being passed around quite a few different teams is James Van Riemsdyk. JVR is one of those players that I thought, you know, probably wasn't going to be as good as he started in the year 30 and, and really... I felt that maybe his game would be a, a little bit limited, but what he's done for the Flyers and how much of an offensive playmaking force he's been really has, has changed my perception of what kind of player he can be going forward. The dude is just a monster in front of the net, whether he's taking shots or making really great passes, setting up his teammates for good scoring opportunities, or blasting it into the net himself. He's just such a really complete attacker. Obviously, I think the rest of his game probably has some holes, but you can totally live with like a, a little bit of defensive liability for a guy who just dominates offensive possession. He's great on the power play. He's great at even strength. I mean, there's just not a whole lot that JVR can't do, and I think it really makes him a really well-rounded, dangerous scoring forward. He's somebody who I feel like is the kind of player I would want for uh, Kyle Connor. right? If Kyle Connor developed more into a James Van Riemsdyk, which he's never going to do because he's not really the same kind of player, I think JVR is a bit more physical, a bit more uh, physically robust, and, and not quite as speedy and technical. I, I still like those sorts of traits that he does have to be matched with you know Kyle Connor's existing physical tool sets. I think the way that JVR approaches the offensive zone makes him such a, a, a well-rounded, dangerous threat who can attack you in so many different ways. If Connor ever were to develop some of these skills or, or use his tool sets to get into those areas and, and make the kinds of plays that James is often known for, I, I think it would make him a much more well-rounded attacker. As it is, JVR continues to be one of Philadelphia's most consistently strong offensive wings, and I think he's going to be a good guy for the next couple of seasons. I don't know when he's going to eventually start to crash again because, again, he is getting up there in age, but for the time being, he remains an absolute monster in front of the net. Philadelphia has a whole host of options for great attackers, but for this episode, we're going to cap it there. We will continue our series again over the next couple of days. We will have another episode this weekend, and next week I'm sure we'll continue our creative playmaker series. But in just a moment, we'll be taking a peek across the pond at some of the most talented playmakers on the pitch in international football. 
Welcome back to the Locked on Winnipeg Jets podcast. Closing us out this evening, we will be taking a look at some of world football's top playmakers. And on the first player of the night, we will be taking a look at Paolo Dybala. Dybala is one of those guys who I think a lot of people have extraordinarily high expectations for. He's an incredibly technical, gifted, pacey winger and occasionally center forward who just seems to have an incredibly gifted touch around the net. He can curl amazing crosses. He's got great shooting ability. Sometimes he'll he'll take some really great free kicks. He's got outstanding dribbling. He's got a great eye for goal. He's one of those players who just has a really complete tool set for how to break down defenders, open up attacking routes, and feed his teammates and himself. Obviously, he's not like a Ronaldo. He's not like a pure goal scorer or a poacher, but he gets himself into really great positions where he can sort of unlock defenses and create those goal scoring opportunities for basically everyone on his team, including himself. This year has seen a bit more of a modest return on his usual excellence. Last season, he was very good, both in Champions League and in Serie A. This year, I think he is probably struggling just a, a little bit, but typically Paolo is somebody who is one of the most dangerous attackers in all of Serie A. Just a couple of seasons ago, he had 22 goals, and while his goal totals definitely declined over the past couple of seasons, he's become a really versatile playmaker who can fill a variety of positions and just be a general menace around the net. Hopefully, he kind of finds his feet soon because when he's operating at the top level of his game, he can be one of the most unstoppable attackers in world football. The last player we will cover on this evening's episode is actually uh, something of a similar style of player to Dybala, although I think this guy in particular is probably... Uh, more of like a center forward or striker and this player is Diogo Jota who I thought was one of my favorite players when he was with Wolverhampton. Jota has always been somebody who I think had phenomenal potential and it took a little bit of time at the Premier League level to start seeing his qualities. I think one of his first real coming out parties was when he scored a hat trick against I think it was Leicester City or something like that. Really crazy game and one of those situations where it was a game tying goal if I recall correctly or maybe it was a game winner. Everyone dogpiled on top of him, but it showcased why he was such a dangerous attacker. He's got really good pace, very good vision, he can make really great passes, but what often sets him apart from so many others is that the runs that he makes allows him to create a ton of space and find those really dangerous spots around the box. Oftentimes he had a really great partnership with Raul Jimenez, and Jimenez of course is a supreme striker and one of the most complete center forwards in football. But now that Jota has moved on to Liverpool, he's starting to show people why he was so highly regarded and touted as a truly great Portuguese prospect. He's not really a prospect anymore. He's probably in his prime, and what we're seeing from him is an increased amount of production and and really goal-scoring threat. This is a guy who just has all of these fundamental technicals married to excellent spatial awareness that allows him to dissect defenses and really go for goal with the expectation that a lot of times it's going to go in. He can also set up his teammates, and he's got a whole host of guys that he can feed, including Mane, Salah, Firmino. There are so many weapons at his disposal for him to really make use of that you could basically feed anyone on Liverpool's roster, and it's going to be a good time. And I think Jota is a perfect fit for the way that Jurgen Klopp wants to play. While Jota will have off days now and then, he is overall one of the most dangerous wingers in, in the Premier League and in international football, and I think his, his future and career are likely going to be very bright. He seems like a very exciting player. He's at a really good team, and I think he's somebody that Liverpool can, can factor into their long-term plans. He's already collected a number of goals over the past couple of weeks, and I think it's only going to continue to, to see that pile climb as he further integrates with the team, gets more comfortable with his teammates, and continues to excel. 
If you have any playmakers that you think are particularly gifted, let me know at HLLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets, and I might feature them on our next podcast. As always, thank you so much for listening. Keep an eye out this weekend for our next Creative Playmakers episode, and as always, have a great night, and go Jets go!